Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. This is the final episode of A Fire Upon the Deep by Werner Vinge. We have, yeah, yeah, Werner Vinge. That name just throws me off a little bit. I mean, it sounds like a name that belongs in a book. Right. That's true. Good choice, Werner. Or Vern. Or Laverne again. Yeah, so we've we've finished it, but first... Yeah, Dan. I know you've been you've t- you've told me that you've got an intro epi- or a segment that you want to do, and I don't know what it is yet. But this is something that I've thought about a lot, and I think about it, it kind of throughout my day. Sometimes I'll be reminded of of this and just have to stop and remember it. And that is, um, there was a show on the Discovery Network in two thousand nine called The Colony. Did you ever watch this show? I don't think so. That's okay. That's perfect. I don't think a, a lot of people did, but the people who did watch it will know exactly what I'm talking about. So I just, I'd like to just set the stage for you about what the show is. The Colony is, was kind of like a reality TV show. And the premise was to put a group of 10 people in a post-apocalyptic scenario and see if they could get out. And so they take 10 people and in the first season, they put them in like a warehouse in LA but a bunch of the area has been cleared out so it's just them and they have to like come up with how to get food and water and defend themselves from raiders who are coming to try and steal their shit and all this stuff right and so and it lasts for 10 episodes and at the end the goal is they're trying to escape in some way they're trying to get out to a safe place Okay, so that's not the wild. That's not the wild thing that I think about a lot. Uh, I'm gonna, Luke. I'm gonna read you a list of professions of each of these people that they had on the show. And after I read you the list, I want you to tell me who is your last pick of these professions. Okay. okay? So we've got a nurse, a marine scientist, a doctor, a contractor, a computer engineer, a machinist a martial arts instructor, a handyman, a mechanical engineer, or an aerospace engineer? Who's your last pick? In this case, I'm going to say aerospace engineer. (sighs) Okay, who's your second to last pick? Computer engineer, computer engineer. Okay, that's the one uh, right above aerospace engineer, you think? Uh, I actually would say computer engineer lower than, well, I don't know. They're but they both seem the professions both seem useless in this circumstance. Absolutely. And if you were competing with someone else and you were competing to see who picked the computer engineer last, uh whoever actually picked the computer engineer won. The computer engineer, his name we're gonna we're gonna call him John C. That's how he's referred to on the show. Uh or he's known as the professor. The things that you don't find out about the computer engineer right off the bat is he's also proficient in a ton of other things (laughs) like welding or growing his own food or building his own like environmental structures, things like that. The other thing about John C is he is a computer engineer. He's like 50 and he's kind of old. He's probably the one of the oldest people that they had on the show. And so just looking at him, you'd be like, oh, no way, dude. Um. But he was a computer engineer when it it was, like, electrical engineering. It wasn't, like, coding. It was, like, figuring out how electricity made circuits. <laughs> so, okay. I'm just going to run down a list of the things that, that John C. did. 
for these people while they're trying to survive. So the very first episode, they deprive them of sleep for like 36 hours and have them all like hike in to where they're going to be staying for the next, I don't remember how long it was, I think 10 weeks or something like that. And uh, they get like attacked by marauders and everybody's like not really loving it. And so when they get to this like warehouse, they set up like a rudimentary power grid with a bunch of car batteries that they have stolen and they get like a little bit of clean water working, but they're, they're like barely hanging on at this point. So episode two, their power is starting to run out. And so John sees like, hold on. Uh, I've heard of this thing called a gasifier. A gasifier is where we can turn wood into basically gasoline and use it to run an engine and we can run a generator with this. Everyone's like, oh, dope. Okay, cool. We'll have power. And John's like, yeah, we got this figured out. Okay, so then a couple more episodes go by and they're still kind of hanging on. They're doing a little bit better. They've made improvements to their like warehouse so that marauders can't just steal all their shit. But they want to make a substantial improvement because there was a really big raid and they're concerned that you know they could get well okay the thing about this show is they're never going to get hurt right it's a tv show so like what is the raid really come on guys (laughs) right but so (laughs) they're like hey john c we need some protection and john's like oh i got you fam uh we'll get to fam when we actually get into the episode but the the fam colloquially is uh john c builds a flamethrower and a a taser and it's like here (laughs) i don't think we'll have any issues anymore and it's like john this is a tv show dude (laughs) yeah the the actors or whatever that are coming in and and doing these raids were probably like watching the show and are like uh i'm gonna quit (laughs) right everyone else is doing things like oh we should fortify the walls the doors make sure that they can't get in and john's like no i got a flamethrower that should work out pretty good (laughs) just like john all right so that's episode four episode five they're like trying to build get a like a vehicle working so that they can escape using this vehicle but the problem is they don't have enough electricity to run a welder to weld this car back together and so john's like oh that's that's all right uh let's get some solar panels and so they go out and they scavenge some solar panels from around the area and john c designs this uh like solenoid contraption where the solar panels will track the sun throughout the day to get the maximum amount of power from them so that they can use the welder to fix their car and so at this point everyone's like okay john c you're just basically running the show at this point (laughs) and john's like yeah i basically am and so in episode six john c they're like oh we need to be able to communicate with the outside world some way and john c's like that's okay. I've been working on this like Morse code transmitter for a while that works out of like tinfoil and pennies. So let's just plug that in because I've already kind of been thinking about it. So, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to put up a kickboxing uh, bag over here so we can practice kickboxing. And John's like, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to build a water purifier now. If that's cool. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, yeah, thanks, John C. So episode seven is a big one for John C because he builds a water purifier. He, he's he been cooking up soap for the entire seven episodes that he whips out and is like, hey, this should, this should help out with the stank a little bit. And he fixes like a 
film projector because everyone's like we want movies john and he's like shut <laughs> up fine so episode seven's a big one that all happens so the water filter the water purifier the soap and the projector all happen in episode seven and it's all john c just solving all these people's problems and what happens is i think john c was like i really miss my wife guys i kind of want to go home to the producers because in episode eight john c's wife miraculously appears in the show okay and john c has been saying how much he misses his wife the whole t- john c is the sweetest old man that you've you've ever seen and so the whole time he's like man i really i want to help all these people but i really miss my wife a lot and every day he's like ah i miss my wife but i guess i could help out with the flamethrower or something and so i think after episode seven john c was like look i've i've solved all your problems you don't need me anymore bye guys and they're like ah get his wife on the show (laughs) then he can't leave okay so john c does all kinds of badass shit for the last few episodes and they eventually get spoilers they get their car working and they're about to leave and they're leaving the compound under this like massive raid there's like a bunch of marauders coming to get them they've mounted john's flamethrower and are like trying to hold them off with that it's like yeah that that should probably work fine (laughs) and and they get away and this one the the guy who's the contractor is riding along in this solar powered tricycle that john c made he's like by himself in this tricycle as like a scout or whatever and they're about to leave and end the show and he goes up to the leader who's i think the doctor ends up like leading pseudo leading the group and he's like i'm gonna go back and they're like you're gonna what (laughs) and the show ends with the contractor guy this guy's name is joey turning his solar powered tricycle around and riding back to the warehouse that they all just left and them continuing on into the distance. The thing that I the thing that I think about is not about John C. The thing that I think about is what the fuck does it mean that Joey went back to the <laughs> warehouse? Is this like teasing the next season or something? So that's what I thought when it first happened. No. The next season <laughs> has nothing to do with that. What, Joey? Why did you go back? My here's my guess. Joey had a lot of like stored up, stored up magazine porn. <laughs> and he's like, "Shit, everyone's gonna find it." When you say everyone, you mean the producers of the show when they finally go yeah. into the warehouse <laughs> and start cleaning everything up. <laughs> yeah, so he goes back and just torches it all. Or brings it with him. I don't know. <laughs> no, I imagine he would bring it with him. Yeah. The way that he said it, and ev- the fact that everyone else was cool with it, uh, people were kind of surprised. But I think at the end of the show, they're like, he was always kind of a loner and he did his own thing. So it's it's kind of understandable. And it's like, guys, this is a TV show, first of all. <laughs> He's not going back to anything. The show's over. <laughs> Second off, there's like an army of people that constantly assault your warehouse every day that you barely hang on to with 10 people and Joey's going to hold them off. 
Okay, so in the fiction in my head of what happens, obviously the show ended and Joey went back to his job as a contractor and he probably thinks about it as often as I do, honestly. But in the fiction in my head, Joey thinks that he could go be the Marauder King and is like, I'm going to be the one to lead all the raiders around on these evil looting missions where we steal people's supplies. And he always saw them when they would attack the warehouse. He was always like, I just want to be one of them. I don't want to build a water filter. I want to have an AK-47 that shoots blanks and steal food from people. (laughs) And I think he saw John C.'s flamethrower and he was like, maybe I'll wait until John C. leaves. (laughs) Smart move. That was... All right. So... (laughs) That's that's all I've been thinking of for the last... When did that come out? 2009? So for the last nine years, that's just what I think about once a week, at least. Wow, well, okay, sure. Um, but enough about a defunct reality TV show on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> let's talk about A Fire Upon the Deep, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's get into that. I mean, I, I appreciate that summary of an unrelated TV show, but yeah... We could get into a fire upon the deep now. <laughs> uh, there's there's one person out there that's like, yes, what was Joey thinking? <laughs> yeah, this show's for you, person out there, listener. So, okay. We finished the book. I'll start it when Fam is... <laughs> when Fam is driving around on that little ship that has a machine gun thing yes the 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 warthog or the the ghost from halo three whatever yeah being being piloted by the plant right (laughs) and he's machine gunning these dogs yeah i don't i don't can't remember if there's like talk of pets in this book at all there probably is somewhere yeah, maybe, maybe by somewhere. Jeffrey or something. Yeah, but how hard would it be to be just gunning down these dogs? Oh man. Well, okay. So, I think initially, if I were Fam, I would see these dogs and be like, "Where are their owners? We need to target <laughs> the owners. They've trained their dogs to do miraculous things." And I'd be like, "Okay, where are the people controlling these dogs? Because those are the monsters here, not them." Right. That would be my first act of figuring out what the hell is even going on before I start shooting a giant laser at these things. I mean, he knows what's happening, though, already. Because he's, ha- he's heard a description of these. I guess that's true. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I still think it would be very difficult to come into this world... Because he's coming in, all he knows is the description that he's gotten from Mm -hmm. Jeffrey. Right. Which has pretty much been like emails where Jeffrey's (laughs) like, these dogs are coming to get us. (laughs) You know, if I'm getting emails about dogs coming to get, get some kid. Yeah. And then I like end up going out on this rescue mission and there's a ton of dogs. I still, I still am having a hard time shooting at them. Yeah. I mean, I think this gets at the same sense that we felt when Joanna started beating Scarbutt at, in the first part, where it was like, yeah, we get it, but stop. 
<laughs> and I, I feel like for Fam especially, he doesn't have a personal stake in this necessarily. And I mean, especially when he sees them, they kind of chill once they see him, right? They, they're not firing cannons anymore. They're kind of not, you know, and he's taking the word of Steel, who is like, yeah, they need to all die. And Fam, Fam's like, nah. I mean, he does still have some hesitancy to kill these dogs. He doesn't want to, like, Steel has to really push him before he's like, okay, I guess we'll, fine, dude, chill. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think, so, obviously this is such an alien situation that it can't be compared to, but I still feel like if I was in this situation, I would be trying to come up with alternatives. I'd be like, can we maybe just pack this gun with, like, treats and I'll shoot the treats off to the side of the battlefield, and maybe the dogs will run over there. And then Stu would be like, that's fucking stupid, man. That doesn't work. And I'd be like, I'm trying to do things, man. No, and then he pulls a treat out and throws it, and Steel just runs immediately after, and he's like, I knew it. I fucking knew it. Uh, yeah. At that, I don't know how he did it. Maybe it was a God Shatter moment. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Where he just the the old one had to overcome Fam's basest of human emotions of love for dogs to get him to just decimate these animals. Uh Okay, yeah, we should talk more about the end. I This might sound bad. I didn't care at all if Jeffrey died. <laughs> Okay, I'm not okay. So first, this podcast is, is we're in the trust tree in this podcast. Whenever the whenever the mics are on, we're in the trust tree. Mm-hmm. So I'm not judging you. Um, I'm trying to remember. I I definitely cared more about the puppies. I still feel like I cared about Jeffrey though. Like I didn't want <laughs> Jeffrey to die. Here's the thing, when and and I don't have that strong of an affinity toward the Scrode Riders. But when Blue Shell was like, I'm going to go get Jeffrey because he's going to get burnt alive. And we were pretty sure that Blue Shell was going to be in trouble, too. I was just like, don't. Blue Shell, <laughs> Blue Shell, please don't. He's been nothing but trouble this whole time. Let him go. Yeah. Jeffrey, now that I think about it, Jeffrey contributes nothing. No. I mean, he is a he's a nine-year-old kid, so, like, <laughs> fair. <laughs> Yeah, but he was wrong about Steel, and he got them to give them a bunch of dope weapons. He isn't even good at math, which Ravna thought he was good at math, and was, oh, I should really want to meet this kid. And it's, no, it's the dog that's good at math, not the kid. And I mean, part of the part of the reason why I was so strongly apathetic, which is kind of an oxymoron, but I was strongly apathetic towards Jeffrey <laughs> dying, was that in the end the combat had ended and everything was like kind of resolved and then somebody was like where's jeffrey and it it was like oh no we gotta get jeffrey and there was this crisis about jeffrey and i was just like no we don't (laughs) but yeah that because because the only thing with jeffrey is jeffrey was going to be used as basically a hostage Mm -hmm. by steel yeah exactly if he's if he has no value to them then it's like whatever, Mr. Steele, we're just going to go into the spaceship <laughs> like, and do our thing. We have an apocalypse scenario happening right now. I don't care about one nine-year-old. 
we're literally about to kill billions of people anyway. <laughs> so. Well, but they didn't know that. They thought they were about to be killed anyway by the blight coming to go right. kill them. And so it's like, guys, who cares if Jeffrey tortures, if Jeffrey gets tortured for a while by Mr. Steel? It's over. <laughs> it's done. You know what? I'm actually starting to come to your side on this. We shouldn't care about Jeffrey. Especially yeah. they go when they go in the spaceship and there's like 150 other kids. Okay, not saying that Jeffrey is replaceable. But there's 150 other kids there. Yeah, just bring another one out. Kids are the kids are all the same. Just name that one Jeffrey. Boom. <laughs> Problem solved. That's such a good point. Uh, I want to okay, so you mentioned the little when blue stalk or blue shell goes into his thing there's there's something about i you're nodding so i think you might know what i'm about to say does uh does does blue shells cart have racing stripes on it yeah <laughs> little 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 uh lines of fire on the side of his cart to make him go faster legit blue shell is the evil knievel of scrud riders <laughs> and we witnessed it in this part yeah. uh i i want to talk a little bit more about the scrodes so yes blue shells is been on an episode of pimp my ride that's true mm-hmm. early on they talk about how a lot of the riders don't modify the scrodes at all because they see it as like a religious thing based on their creator and so blue shell goes through an oil fire and burns alive to rescue this kid. And so I was thinking of like a cool mod that they could do to their scrode, their scrodes. And it would be like this red cylinder that shoots out like a, a foam of some kind hmm. to hmm. like extinguish fire. Ex- extinguish. Yeah, it could, like, extinguish fire. I mean, it, it's kind of futuristic, but I feel like they might have the technology for it eventually. Like, I mean, they have anti-gravity. Right. Like, we're not there yet, but theoretically someone might have come up with something, like, the, a way to do this. A way to do that. Yeah, it just seems like a common thing that would happen. And especially if you're made of, like, a tree and fire is, like, a pretty common thing that kills, you know, kills trees, you would think you'd want some protection against fire right right i mean yeah maybe we're being a little unrealistic here with our expectations of the future technology but i feel like you you wouldn't even need to modify the existing scrode you could just strap on this like thing to the side right yeah but i mean at that point you're you're asking for too much i think okay last thing about blue shell that i have at least blue shell does this heroic thing right where he basically sacrifices himself and they're all like, oh, or fam at least, is like, oh my gosh, he was, Blue Shell was like my friend all along. He was not controlled by the Blight. You don't know, like, this didn't prove anything. This, I, I actually feel like this makes it seem like it's definitely the Blight. Because <laughs> the Blight doesn't care about Blue Shell. The Blight's like, oh, I'm, I might be able to con- convince him that these guys are good, so I'm just going to kill Blue Shell. Ooh. Okay, so then what would be the what would be the end game for the blight? Why did blight send blue shell into the fire? 
So the blight is sacrificing blue shell mm-hmm. to get trust for green stalk. Why does why does the blight want green stalk to be trusted? Because okay, let's we're gonna work we're gonna work this out live. Uh huh. No, no, I, I I have the next step. Should I take it? Oh yeah, go for it. Okay, what happens at the very end with green stalk? Oh, oh yeah. What okay. happens, Luke? Tell us. Green stalk gets like basically asked for this favor to go live on an island and she's pregnant so they're gonna there's gonna be a ton of these guys uh-huh there's gonna be so many of them <sighs> and so we've basically got the scro or the scrode riders colonizing this world which has the thing that caused the blight to be basically defeated now yes it seems like that thing has been completely extinguished at this point and you can't use it anymore we don't know that right that's what fam and ravna thought and everybody else thinks about this thing but they didn't know what it was before like a minute like a minute before seeing it and now Mm -hmm. they're just assuming it's all over seems a little hasty (laughs) yeah okay i like this theory well (laughs) watch us read the back of the second book and it says this basically i'm gonna i would still count it like i you know but we, we for sure count it Okay. This Actually, okay, I don't want to go I don't want to go to the like full ending yet. There's a So we've already talked about in the last episode how Vern has predicted this like social media system very well. Like it seems very realistic to us the way that these messages come in. Mm-hmm. There's one message I thought in this section that very much proved that. And it was from, uh, I think it was, the subject was like, life goes on. Or it was, oh, yes, yes. And it was just, it was from just a dick that was like, yeah, sure, the blight's killing everything. And like, Sandra K or however we're saying that got blown up, but who freaking cares? Like, that's not, we're that's here to like, witness this incredible event. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is pretty cool to watch from like the other side. And that sounds like a crazy psycho thing to say but i feel like i see that every day on on social media or just online right now so that that was one moment where i was like wow Vern really gets or has really predicted well how terrible our rate or just people in general are when they're unanimous on the internet uh-huh oh absolutely so uh, let's see. When we were doing a Clash of Kings, you mentioned an Instagram post that Catelyn Stark would have made. I really liked that that idea. So, at the at the end of the book, what the countermeasure does is it it made the slowness really really big. So basically, everybody is technolo- technologically shunted because the slowness swallowed up everything and so you can't even really like get messages anymore because all this technology has been broken and uh, i kind of cooked up what fam would post on instagram right before right before he caused this to happen and it would it would be a post like this he would probably take a picture it would be a picture of his phone with the facebook app asking are you sure you want to delete this and the caption would say, I'm leaving social media. See ya when I see ya. 
<laughs> hashtag unplug, hashtag mindfulness, hashtag slow down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. God, I for I just hate those posts, first of all. <laughs> right? <laughs> but this is essentially what they did to solve the problem is they were like, everybody needs to get off technology and get back to their roots. Live as people. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Just like put down the phone for a second and have a conversation. For a damn second, put down the phone. The blight is technology. You ever think about that one? Every time around the dinner table. <laughs> I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> we can't even meet some random dude on a foreign planet without suspecting that he's controlled by a super intelligent AI. Okay, it's, what is this world anymore? You know what? The, okay. We're making fun of it. That's a good point. <laughs> like we're making fun of them for like doing this thing where they essentially like you said make everyone technologically much less advanced yeah but that seems like a good move considering just casually like billions of people are murdered because of technology i mean but like also how many billions of people don't die every day because of the cool advances that okay fair enough and this okay this leads me into my the next thing which is more just talking about how they saved everything a <sighs> week a week confused <laughs> is this a victory or no because it doesn't sound like a happy ending oh it's for sure not like it's a happy ending on the planet they're on but it sounds way worse than what the blight was. Uh-huh. Here's my thing about... Okay, right. Because because what they say what happens at the end is that when they cause this massive slowdown to happen, anybody who is in interstellar space can no longer travel at light speed anymore. So they're all just stranded out there to die eventually, to starve to death and die. And all these civilizations that depend on this technology... Like, if Relay was still operational and this had happened, it would come crashing down so quickly and everybody would die, just like had happened. what happened when the Blight took it over. So, right, and and there's, there's so many civilizations or worlds that are so reliant on technology that, like, they die immediately. Just, like, chaos happens. And, like, for example, Relay is, like, this giant thing in the sky, right, that's powered by technology. Yeah. When the technology goes down, that thing just drops and everyone dies. Yep. And there's countless worlds like that. So they just... I I was honestly confused. I was like, am I reading this wrong? Nope. And did they... Did they kill the Blight? No. Or did they just kill the fleet that was... Or not even kill the fleet. Just Or did they just slow down the fleet that was coming towards them? So here's... I, I think with the Blight... They assume that they killed it because how they envision things that are that powerful working is they have to have some super advanced technology that only works in the beyond. So they have to, they, I think they imagine that the blight would be destroyed by this event because what basically made the blight work doesn't work anymore. So it's but not. They, so, but they're assuming that the slowness goes up to the very top of where the blight is. Yeah. Which is just an assumption. And I don't even know, like, I don't even know if it's an accurate one. Because presumably the Blight's, like, top parts of the Blight, whatever we're calling it, yeah. are at the very, like, top of the Transcendence or whatever. Uh-huh. 
So they would have to make everything the slow zone to kill the blight. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they did. So this is why I think what they did is kind of a dick move. Because they made a lot of assumptions. The first assumption that they made is that they got it all. The second assumption that they made is that the blight is that bad. Right, yeah. They are assuming, they don't know hardly anything about the blight, except that it's really powerful and it seems to take over places. Aside from that, there's not a whole lot of information about what happens in the blight. And so they just decided, oh, okay, killing billions and billions and billions of people is worth this thing not having control. It's kind of like, if I can't have it, nobody can. <laughs> and it's like, that's a dick move, guys. Yeah, so there's that. There's a part earlier when when Ravna decides not to send a message about the Scrode Riders, and Fam is like, do you really think you're individually should be able to make that decision? And she like really struggles with it. Uh-huh. In this case, Fam's like, I'm going to make this decision to kill... I'm probably trillions of people based and just hope that it's probably better than what the alternative. Yeah. And, and and you're guaranteed to kill trillions of people. You're not guaranteed to kill the blight with this. Yeah. Dude, what? (laughs) Maybe take some time and think about this before you mind meld with a fungus on the wall of a spaceship. Exactly. You still got like 40, 40 hours. This is the other this is the other crazy thing about this ending. They they finish the battle and Ravna's like, "Fam, we've only got 46 hours. I'm sorry." <laughs> I read that and was like, "That's so much time." Yeah. You can do so much stuff in 46 hours. This is incredible. <laughs> this is good news. Yeah, this is great news. Why are you so concerned about this? You're you're at the spaceship where the countermeasure probably is. Things are going great. 46 hours is a long time. And they were trying to make it seem like the the clock was basically at zero. If she was like, fam, there's only 10 minutes until they're here. I'd be like, oh, no, that is very bad. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like, obviously on this world, it's a good ending. Because, like, everything just turns out. Everything turns out well. They have, like, 2,000 years until these ships get there. And they're like, that's enough time to do whatever we need to do. And, but I, I don't think it's a happy, it's not a happy ending outside of that. No, it's definitely not a happy ending. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. There, there was something else about the countermeasure that I want to talk about. At one point, Fam is talking about its capabilities. And he says that it, it has the power to destroy a planet or even a solar system. Trying to make it sound like it was extremely powerful. That did not impress me at all. (laughs) Like, Like, because everyone... It seems like everyone has that power. Yeah, it seems like that's a pretty common power. And the Blight is conquering civilizations. Many civilizations. And so, (laughs) when Fam said that, I thought, oh, they're not going to be able to do it then. (laughs) Fam said that, and I was like, this is it. Wow, bummer. Yeah, we all this thing all this way for just like a little a little death star, which is not enough. No. Well, good try, fam. <laughs> uh okay. Other thing about the countermeasure. 
to do this surge of the slow zone, it says it needs a power source, right? So it just like uses the sun. And one thing we can talk about, which we can get to in a second, is how many side effects that would cause. But the other thing that I want to talk about is, so the knowledge of what's happening is very localized to these, like, to this, this small group of people. Yeah. Right. There's an entire world out here of these times that are just like going on with their day. Right. And have no, the rest of the world doesn't even know that there's humans yet or anything, or that there's like a war going on down here. And then they just, all of a sudden, the sun just starts going out and then slowly comes back. <laughs> and presumably, presumably eventually the news will get out as to what happened, but I don't know. I like, it might be a top secret kind of thing. So it's just going to go on in, in, in legend where everyone's like, do you remember that, that day? Where the sun just like kind of went out for a little while. <laughs> no, that's not that's not what's gonna happen, Luke. It's what's gonna happen is, hey, do you remember that day where the sun almost went out, and so we had a giant blood orgy that brought it back? <laughs> and everyone's gonna that's be like, true. yeah, that was crazy. It's a good thing we have that giant blood orgy every year to make sure that the sun doesn't go out anymore. <laughs> that's a good point. And so, yeah, this event is going mean, to, we have heard nothing of religion on the Tynes world at all. They're going to get some religion pretty fucking quick when the sun comes back. Right. Yeah. And it's going to be over some really random thing. There's going to be, there's going to be people that think that they're gods because there's probably some, there's probably some time packs out there that like clapped right before the sun came back on. And they're like, holy shit. Luke, you said that they clapped. Let's just talk about the ridiculousness of your scenario that you just created for these packs of dogs. <laughs> Nobody's fucking clapping on the Tynes uh, world. Okay, fair enough. Joanna there's clapped be... once and they were like, holy shit, what was that? <laughs> okay, there's there's several things. Um, okay, the real thing that happened is some Tyne pack did a little dance and then the sun came back and this probably happened in like every city or yeah. like different places. Uh-huh. Uh, an- okay. So another thing that we can t- also talk about is no one knows that humans are there yet, but presumably this human population is going to grow because they're going to have all those kids come out. Yeah. <laughs> of, of the cold sleep or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's going to be a little human colony there, but no one knows that yet, except for this little area. Mm-hmm. And there's probably going to be people, they're probably going to send out messengers, right, about this and be like, hey, just so you guys know, there's some really weird freaking aliens over here. And it's going to be like, what, whatever. But then eventually they will start, like, they'll start running into each other, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, no one's going to know about Greenstalk. Yeah. Which this one's a little bit less significant because she's just like a tree in the water. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> on like a very remote island right where so she i don't know if that one will be undisturbed sig- <laughs> sorry you were saying yeah so so i don't know if that one's going to be that significant 
But there's going to be some weird things that happen when the humans run into time packs that don't know what they are. Okay. Like what? Like picture if we just casually walk where you, you're on a hike and you, you, you take a trip over to, you're going to, you want to go pack backpacking in Canada and you just, you're just walking and then you like, you're like, is this, this is kind of, this path's kind of big. And then you walk, keep going. And there's just like a city of weird aliens of tines. Like imagine if there was a city of tines on our planet that we didn't know about. Well, I think it would be even different than tines because we would, we're familiar with dogs. I see. What, okay. Okay. I see. They're completely now. unfamiliar with humans. They'd be like, what? <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will probably die. Like yeah, these, these exactly. first, these children, not a lot of them I think are going to make it. There's going to be some intense racism here. <laughs> like racism isn't the right word, probably speciesism speciesism yeah maybe that maybe well but also they're not gonna be able to communicate either so you're just gonna encounter this thing that seems into it it would be like if we found a dolphin city (laughs) if we found a dolphin city uh in canada (laughs) and we were like oh what what are these things and 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 they like seem to be intelligent and helping out this group of humans but we were like I I don't think that those are good. <laughs> I mean that's what Let's go happen. let's go ask our prophet that keeps making the sun come back. Right. And you know he would say to kill it with fire. Right. Send it back to the sun from whence it came. Okay, so yeah, so we okay, so we've already got two sequel ideas. <laughs> um Yeah, you also mentioned what the consequences would be of the sun dimming for a minute. This is like this is pretty important, I think. Yeah. If the sun dimmed for a minute, even just a little bit, it would get so much colder on the planet than it did. Like, if it got yeah. dark enough to be, you could see stars, it it becomes, like, winter when you're, like, angled a little bit differently from the sun, which is a huge temperature change. Even at nighttime, when you're facing away from the sun... You're, you're still getting the sun's warmth on your planet. It's still heating up the planet. The sun goes out for like a minute. Everything's frozen. Right. And I don't, I'm, I don't know that much about like astronomy, but presumably there are many other things that are affected by this other than just temperature. Okay. Right? Give me another one. I, I, I'm saying, I don't know what it is, but like, is, I don't know, maybe the, the orbit or something like everything's orbiting around the sun yeah but i i don't know i don't think it's mass changed necessarily maybe not i i I think it was just absorbing that energy from the sun which okay okay. yeah they're they're probably i think you're right your general point i think is valid where there's got to be other massive effects that are serious problems with the sun dimming that much for that long but shoot luke actually now that i think about this I feel like, okay, no, no. Because I was thinking an eclipse is kind of like this, but it's not. Because in an eclipse, you're never blocking out the whole, like, you're never blocking out the whole sun. It's just a little part of the sun that's being blocked in a specific place. So, And it's not even, it's not even, it's not like the view of the sun is blocked. The sun isn't 
going out in certain areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so okay. This is the third sequel. the The effects just haven't like the. This just happened, right? Mm-hmm. The effects just haven't gotten here yet. Oh, so we're getting we're getting after the, at the end of this book, it cuts off. But then right after it, we get some huge like climate, crazy stuff going on. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so and that's when you get the rise of these really crazy religions because now there's crazy shit happening. And the people yeah. who predicted the sun coming back are telling all these packs how to deal with the crazy weather swings. Genius. <laughs> so throughout the book, we've kind of been talking about the dog packs and what their kind of role is and how, you know, they're pretty good at certain things. And I was at the end of this book, now that we've gotten the full story of how these packs work and kind of understood them, I was just kind of thinking what jobs they would actually be better than people at because Pilgrim at one point is like, oh man, if we could just work together, we would be way better than these people over here. And as, as, as a human, I was kind of like, I don't think so, Pilgrim. I think you're a little <laughs> full of yourself. But there are some things you could do really well. So one of the things I thought of that they could do really well uh they could run pit stops really well i watched a video of a nascar coming into a pit stop the other day and it's like a, one of these tying dogs could do that way better right because they would be very coordinated exactly it would be way faster than a bunch of people doing it um the the other one that i thought of a circus act get some of these on trapezes tight ropes okay. Ooh, that'd make a good show i'd go to that show <laughs> fair fair what do you think luke have you thought of any other like any jobs that these dogs would be better than people at i haven't off the top of my head um we don't get this this goes back to a point you made a long time ago i think in our like when we were talking to alec in our crimson queen episode uh-huh. but there's not there's very rarely sports talked about on oh, yes. fantasy sci-fi so i don't think they would be good at our sports per se because like I don't, they can't throw a football, <laughs> right? <laughs> but certain sports, I imagine they could be very good at, considering how well coordinated they would be. Well, like soccer, I feel like soccer has potential for these. Do- I mean, they can't. You'd have to modify it a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah. The other, I mean, and the other problem with sports is you you'd have to find something where there wasn't a lot of contact between packs, because. True. They can't get close to volleyball. each other. Oh my god. These dogs would crush volleyball. And can you imagine one of them stacking on top of each other to spike it? <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Or tennis. They're just they're just all over the court, so you can't <laughs> It's a massive court. Yeah, tennis. Tennis is good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. If, okay, so l- listeners, if you've got any other sports or jobs that that the times would be much better than us at send it our way yeah go tweet ahead us. And, yeah tweet us use the hashtag uh hashtag time jobs Ooh, nice and just just tell us what jobs the times would be better at than we are because yeah. i think for most of them we've we've got them kind of covered yeah. like good job using it or good luck using a typewriter dudes <laughs> but doing pit stops i think you found your calling nascar Hit up the tines. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and yeah, yeah. So if you got it, tweet us. And actually actually freaking tweet us this time. I'm sick of you guys not tweeting us. Yeah. 
We've been tweeting out nonstop. We're getting nothing back. <laughs> at DC to BC. Wow, I think that's gonna get. The, that's how you get Twitter followers, right? You just yell just at people. Just yell at them to tweet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay, so I have I have one thing just briefly before we get into the like our final analysis of the book that yeah, we so, normally do. Sounds good. And this is just a thing that I like because I'm a very I'm a very uh, I don't I don't know how to describe this, but I like very childish things in my books, as people can probably guess already. Um, you know, I like dragons. I like sword fights. I like when there's an ending, and then there's like an additional fifty pages where everyone is just like doing happy stuff. Love it. Love reading about happy stuff at the end of books for like way too long, and. <laughs> This book had that, and I appreciated it. It had an epilogue that was like 900 pages, and it was all just like nice things that were happening on the Tynes world. I was like, oh, yes. Every, even though trillions of people died, things are going well here. Yeah, the very last com log of that epilogue was somebody saying, hello? <laughs> right, except for that part. Hello? <laughs> yeah, but so that's just something about me. I like endings of books like that. Well, I'm, I'm glad you could have your juvenile desires fulfilled, Luke. Yeah, that's all I ask for. We should we should talk about what we thought about the book overall, though. Uh, you usually start these. I'm going to start these. This this may have been my least favorite that we have read so far on our show. It For me, it wasn't really hitting a lot of the important points that I really like out of a sci-fi book. It, it had some, the aliens, the times were pretty cool. I'm into that. I'm into cool aliens. But the build in the middle was way too long for what it delivered on at the end. At the end, like I said, I didn't really care if Jeffrey died or not. In fact, I was kind of rooting, rooting for them to just let him go and move <laughs> on with their lives. The way that the Blight was defeated... I mean, I liked that it was morally kind of morally ambiguous, but it wasn't that epic. It was just, oh, it's over now. You don't notice anything different, but trust me, it's over. Right. There's no no real confrontation with the blight. Mm-hmm. And it just it didn't really it didn't really do it for me too much. I mean, it was it was a fine book. I think at parts and something we addressed last episode at parts it didn't describe things well enough to really understand what was going on i still felt that in this part um but yeah i i'm just kind of i'm just kind of uh in the middle on this one i I wasn't super excited about it i completely agree i yeah i think this probably is one of my least favorite that we've done so far i still i mean i still like enjoyed reading it i guess and like you said, there were very cool, cool ideas that are, I, I feel like sci-fi usually ha- tries to bring in like original or thing ideas or concepts that are just very, very foreign and creative. And this did that with certain things like the times being a, like a collective person was cool. One thing that I thought was very cool was the idea of different locations in space being being able to achieve different levels of technology that was pretty cool yeah 
and and so so yeah okay there there were cool aspects of it but it just wasn't that good of a story you know yeah i'm with you i mean this this is basically what you were saying but the there wasn't i was i kept expecting there to be bigger tie-ins from previous things that we hadn't thought were important but turned out to be important um for example the the prologue when they're talking those two the two people that are basically the countermeasure like and at the end i was expecting them to be like a big part of it but they were just kind of like mentioned like as part of the countermeasure mm-hmm. i was like oh i thought they were going to actually do stuff uh that's one example another example of something that actually was this way but wasn't done very well was the part where fam tells the human fleet to fire on certain ships and it seems like a big catastrophe mm-hmm. but it, i feel like it was very predictable that it's like in the end this is going to end up being some really cool thing that saves everyone yeah and they're like oh yeah and now they don't have the thing that makes people go fast right in the slow zone right. so like we won't see them for a while i was like uh, i guess that makes sense but i wanted this to be bigger mm-hmm. um I, I i feel like i would have expected that from a lot more different things and i don't know i i guess i just wasn't very satisfied by a lot of it yeah yeah i agree i the parts of the story that really worked for me were the parts where they were on the times world i thought that story was pretty cool but that story i feel like didn't have enough weight to it to really carry the whole book like it was cool but the important part of the book i didn't really care that much about with the blight and ravna and everything it wasn't that part I didn't think was that interesting and engaging. Well, the other thing is, I agree with you that the part on the Times Word was the most interesting, but like that's, this is a sci-fi book. That's just, if we had just had like the interesting part, which is the fantasy part of it, because <laughs> that's just a fantasy book, the Times World. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a good thing we're going to a fantasy book next, Luke. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Not to, not to trash this book. Cause I mean, it's, it's a fine book. Like I, it was I, like, I enjoyed reading it. Right. It I just, liked it fine. Yeah. Um, there, okay. I just want to mention something about something you said, the, the fight that they did against the blight where they destroyed all the ships with the Ram scoop capability. My issue with that coming back later is that I feel like it would be really easy to tell that those are the specific ships you were targeting. So it would be obvious to the both the attackers and Ravna and Fam why they were doing it, right? If they destroyed the Blight's fleet and the, the specific ships that they targeted were the ones with Ram Scoop capability, that would signal to me, oh, something's going to happen with the slowdown or the slow right zone. okay that's a good point and so it wasn't a satisfying reveal at the end because it was like i could have predicted that if they had just told me that they had destroyed all the ships with ram scoop capability but they didn't reveal what they had actually even done even though i think it was probably clear like ravna knew what they had done later they just didn't yeah. tell us that so that felt a little like it felt like i was cheated of an opportunity to put the pieces together in that sense right that's fair uh last thing i also just like i didn't get the god shatter stuff really it just wasn't i get the concept of it yeah 
it just it wasn't i don't think that part was done in a very well way in a very good way mm -hmm. um i don't know what exactly it would have looked like had it been done well but i i don't know but yeah. okay enough of that we it was a fine book wasn't one of our favorites that we've done um i enjoyed talking about it though <laughs> so the next book we're gonna do we're going back to fantasy next book we're gonna do is called the lies of Locke lamora by scott lynch read it yeah read up on that book for for next episode yeah i'd say we're we're probably gonna do three episodes on that book it's about as long as a fire upon the deep so plan on three parts but i mean tweet at us seriously freaking tweet at us I'm, t I'm tired of yelling into the void. I'm tired of yelling too, because, Luke, our Twitter's full of hot takes. And us acting like dumbass.